podcast brought to you by Read More Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thank You for Asking. I hope you're all doing well and having an amazing week so far. This episode was supposed to release on March 17th, also known as St. Patrick's Day, also known as the day before my birthday. But thanks to a host of technical difficulties and then, you know, life just lifing the way that it does, it's been a minute, but I'm glad to finally be back on the working microphone and getting this episode out. So the goal here was to drop this episode before my 29th birthday because going into 29, I just had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of feelings. When do I not have a lot of feelings? Um, but it's it was the last official year of my 20s, last official birthday of my 20s. So it did feel like something that needed to be commemorated a little bit. And I did want to do a little bit of reflecting and just processing all of these thoughts and all these feelings with all of you. So that's what we're going to do today. When I was in college and I had first started blogging, I used to do a blog post every year on my birthday, like X lessons for X years. So like 18 lessons in 18 years, so on and so forth, trying to like share anything that I have learned, any wisdom that I had. And at 29, I could probably give you 29 things, like make this a 29 lessons or 29 reflections for a 29 episode, but I truly don't have it. And I think that's because 27 to 29 has taken a lot out of me. These last two years have taken a lot out of most of us. I'm grateful to still be here. And I think that there's just, you know, there's a lot. So condensing it into a cute little list was definitely not the wave. And it took me a long time to even put all my thoughts down on paper for this episode and figure out what I wanted to say because I wasn't feeling anxious or even sad or bad about this birthday, but it's just like, it's so much. I think that beginnings and endings are always a lot because beginnings are like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. There's so much to think about. I'm starting something new and then ending. It's like, okay, I need to close it. And endings usually come on the precipice of another beginning. So closing out my 20s does really feel like ah, I have to, it feels like I'm moving out of an apartment and I'm like, okay, what do I throw away? What do I keep? What new stuff am I going to buy in the new place? It's just, it's a little bit of a mess in here, but there's a lot of good stuff. So we're going to talk about it. And I also really wanted to talk about it because we spend so much time talking about our milestone years and building up anticipation for the milestone years. And we don't give anything to the years in between, like 18, 21, 30, 50 are great, but so are the years in between them. So I think they deserve a little bit of respect too. So we're going to put some respect on 29. To help me gather my thoughts and process everything, I did what I usually do. And that is I wrote an Instagram caption and I just asked a bunch of you all, what were your thoughts and feelings before you turned 29? How, what kind of space were you in when you entered that part of your life? And the comments honestly blew me away. We will link to that post in the show notes. And I think that Whether you're turning 29 or 59, it is worth it just to read through. Everyone was so open and vulnerable about their experiences and things that they went through and things that they wish they would have done differently. And I'm so grateful for you all for sharing. But I use those comments to basically come up with a couple of categories or buckets that I want to talk about as I reflect on 29, saying goodbye to 28, entering this last year of my 20s. And yeah, just like, this is where I'm at. 
So the one thing that kept coming up over and over again in the comments, of course, because it's the one thing that comes up over and over again in almost every area of our lives is work and career. It makes so much sense for me to start with career because I've always started with career. It's always been like the number one thing on my priority list was work. And honestly, that's just like that society, right? If you live in a society where you have to have money to do the things, then obviously the thing that makes the money is going to be a large portion of your thing. But I mean, thinking back to Amber at 18, I was a college freshman and I just wanted to do so well. The reason that I even started creating content in college was because I wanted to do something to set me apart from everyone else to give me a competitive edge to help me get an internship my freshman year which I did to help me stand out to my professors to just like excel I was literally building the corporate ladder that I wanted to climb because I was so obsessed with doing well and a common thing that came up in the comments of that Instagram post was that at 29 a lot of people realized that they were not happy in their careers A lot of you made the decision to pivot your career, like completely change industries, completely deciding that you don't even want to be in the workforce anymore. And I think that that's so common, especially riding this last wave of people really getting fed up with work, the status quo of work in America and deciding to try their luck at doing other things via this great resignation as it's been deemed. 28 was definitely a year when I shook up my own career. That was when I started doing content and freelancing full time. And even though the conditions that I entered (laughs) that space in were not ideal to me, I did not plan that transition. I can say it wasn't like a long-term plan. Obviously, at some point I had to make decisions and make a plan, right? But it was not, I did not like have this great moment where I was going to put up an Instagram post, like some news, I'm leaving my job in six months. Like I didn't have that. It was very quick, messy. It was more of like a surviving, not thriving decision that I had to make, but it has changed a lot. And it's changed a lot for what I think my career will look like in the next five years. And even going further back, thinking about high school me and what I thought I was going to do when I was 15, 16. I don't think I ever had one specific dream job. I had things that I knew I wanted to do. And always, I've always known that I wanted to write a book. I've always known that whatever I end up doing, I want to be able to use writing and my love of literature in some way. But I don't think I ever really had a dream job. I just knew I wanted to be really, really good at whatever I did. And even The things that I do now, some of these things didn't even exist when I was dreaming up a dream job. There was no Instagram when I was in high school or middle school. Like YouTube was barely a thing by the time I got to college. It was still weird, like animal videos and like funny home videos people were uploading. People weren't talking about having a brand really, at least not a personal brand when I was in middle school or high school. I think the one thing that I have learned about my career, my work, the things that I want to do with my work is that the work has to be the smallest piece of the puzzle. Everything has to come back to a bigger vision. It is so worthwhile to step back and step back often and just really consider what is your larger vision. At the end of the day, I don't think it matters whether or not I'm a content creator or a publicist or an author or a whatever. I think it matters that whatever I'm doing is serving a part of a larger vision. This year, one big part of work has obviously been the podcast. And wow, as of 
two weeks ago, I've officially had a podcast for a year. We launched Thank You For Asking on March 25th of 2021, which is also my best friend Jordan's birthday. Shout out to Jordan. But I'd always wanted to have a podcast and I didn't have the resources or the time to make it happen. And then when that finally did get to happen, I realized there's so much opportunity to build something out that's not for me, but for other people, whether it's you guys listening, the amazing people who help me make this podcast happen every week. And I think that was the first thing that really put into perspective for me that my job is not to like build this career. It's not to build this pocket of work. It's just to build this vision in whatever way makes sense for my gifts and my talent. I think that's something that in the episode we did with Stephanie Harrison from The New Happy that she speaks about. If we stop focusing on what we have to do individually to be successful, to have financial success, to be content with what we're doing and focus more on how are we using our gifts, our talents, our time, our resources to better build and impact the community around us, to lift up other people around us, then you'll always feel fulfilled. And I think that if we were all able, and obviously that would take a lot of shifting, but if we were all able to focus more on the collective and less on our individual contributions, one, it would take so much less pressure off of people to feel like they have to have a certain level of career to feel like a fully realized human being. And two, it would give us more space to actually enjoy the life that we're able to have because of the careers that we have. I've always thought it's such a shame to see people who work all the time and make a ton of money and never get to actually enjoy the money that they've made because they have to go back to work. And I've always known, I think, that I don't want that to be me, even if I didn't really know what that meant on like the execution side. But I'm glad that at this point, I feel like the work is like the least of my worries. I do not dream of labor. I don't have a dream job. I have a dream life. And I know that there are a lot of things that I will probably do and try and maybe fail and sometimes succeed at from a work perspective, but they're all going to be a part of that larger career vision. And that's what matters the most to me right now. All right, let's talk about milestones because milestones were something that came up a lot in the comments of that post. People feeling like they hit certain milestones when they were 29 or around 29 and then people feeling like, that there were milestones that they thought they would hit that they hadn't hit. This is super relatable to me because (laughs) the same way that I've always been very career focused, very ambition focused, I have felt like I have been on a timer probably since I knew what a timer was. I have always felt like I have to hit these things by these ages or else it's game over. And it was always very intense for me. It was a huge anxiety trigger for me for a long time, that constant feeling of being behind. Thanks to some years of therapy, I now know that that is something that's very common among people who grow up poor. Like when you grow up feeling like there's not enough, you feel like you have to get to whatever is left as fast as you can or else there's not going to be anything for you there. So I'm grateful to still be working through some of those feelings. But overall, my thought on the milestones at this point, now that I am 29 and have not hit many of the milestones that I thought that I would have hit, I thought that by 29, I would definitely be married, probably have a baby or two. I don't know what I thought I would be doing for work, but I definitely didn't think I would be doing this. 
And I obviously have not hit any of those milestones, but I've also realized there are a lot of life milestones that um, other people feel really pressured to hit that I truly don't care about. The main one being owning a home. I don't care about that at all. <laughs> I love that if anything breaks in this house, it's someone else's responsibility to pay that very large bill to fix it. The one thing that has made me slightly less attached to some of the milestones that we think we're supposed to have traditionally hit by 29 is reflecting on the things that I thought were going to be life-changing moments that did not change my life the way that I thought that they would. I have an old journal from 2000. It covers, I think, 2013 to 15, which were very trying times in my life. And those were some years that I really thought were going to completely take me out of the game, honestly. It was a lot of back-to-back hard things that I had to deal with. I was in the towards the end of college and fresh out of college. If you've ever been in that position, you know it's like the brokest time of your life. It is the most transitional time of your life. All of your friends are suddenly in a million other places. Your support system completely changes and shifts. Like the expectations on you are changing and everything is all of a sudden your responsibility. I went through a really bad breakup in that period that left me feeling just like completely outside of myself. My confidence was pretty shot. I was really only focused on work, which was terrible. I had a horrible relationship to hustle culture. I had a terrible relationship to rest. And in that time, I really did think that it was kind of game over. And having successfully gotten out of that dark space, I think has made me realize that everything else will settle. Like all the other milestones will happen when they happen. I think it's more important. And the reason that that time was so hard was because I was trying to make so many things work that shouldn't have been trying to made work, especially with the relationship that I was in, because I was so attached to hitting these certain milestones by a certain time. Like I so badly wanted things to work out because it was a part of my plan. That was the timeline. I had set this out when I was 17 that I was going to do this, this, and this, and I was going to be with this person and we were going to live here and we were going to do this. And I could not wrap my head around all of that changing and everything being so far out of my control. But I was so attached to the milestone that I wasn't attached to myself at all. And I was doing so much mental, emotional, and physical damage to myself because I was more focused on saying, at least I have these things than at least I'm happy. At least I like who I am. At least I'm satisfied with my life. At least I feel loved and confident and protected and safe. And so when it comes to the milestones now, there are some that, yes, I still really, really, really want these things for me. And I would love to have them in a certain time. I'm a control freak. I'm always going to be a control freak. There's not much I can do about that at this point except learn how to cope and not let it control my life. But I really just want to be the best possible me, regardless of the milestones that I'm hitting. And if I had to choose between losing myself as a person again and hitting any of the milestones that we look at as important at this stage of life, I feel really good about the fact that I would pick me every time. Okay, let's move into talking about confidence because confidence definitely came up a few times in that thread in a bunch of different ways too, which was nice to see. A lot of people said that at 29, they felt really 
self-assured and assured of who they were and just like having a little bit more authority to authentically be who they are. And I do feel that. I definitely feel very comfortable in who I am and being who I am. I used to be so embarrassed by the things that I liked. And I think that one thing that has really helped me is just having this platform and being a content creator where I've literally taken the things that are super niche and nerdy about me and like made them profitable. Not that I think you need to make elements of your personality profitable to be accepted or to feel confident in them. But I think that for me, it helped because I was like, oh, it's not weird. It's just like you. I used to jump through hoops to try to like hide things about me. And I felt so conflicted all the time because a lot of my friends were all very similar. Obviously, that's why we're friends. But a lot of my friends have elements of their personalities. And I'm like, oh, if I could just do it like her, I would be killing it. Like if I could just take all these things of me and subtract them from the equation and then sprinkle in a little bit of her, I will be killing it. And now I'm at a point where I can look at the things that I so desperately wanted to subtract from me and celebrate them instead. And that is confidence in my eyes. When you can see the things about you that are like, nah, I don't know that like it's going to do it for everyone else, but it does it for me. And that's good enough. That is confidence. It takes so much time to build that. The only thing that has really helped me consistently stay confident and accept myself and love myself for just who I am is through faith. I think it helps to know like, well, if God thought it was good enough, then maybe there's something to that. (laughs) I've also always had this understanding that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to be doing it. And I think that that has helped me with my confidence because I don't feel the need to like act on every single thing that I do. And I think when we're doing the most and we're doing too much, if you're like, okay, well, I do this and that and that. I'm a singer and actress, but I'm also like really organized. And I'm also like all these things. And you're trying to like actualize every single thing that is in your heart and mind. It overwhelms you. And I think it's hard to kind of connect with yourself when you're doing that too. So that has helped me stay pretty consistent in the confidence department. I do always question myself. I'm really attached to being able to trust myself when I And being super self-critical, it usually means I'm questioning a choice that I've made, a decision I've made. And it's on like macro and micro levels. Like it can be as much as why did you spend that $70 on that thing? Everything that is happening now to you is because you made that one choice and it was bad. And that means that moving forward, you need to be more planful, more mindful. Like I will get that level of critical over something as small as like a $50 to $60 purchase. But then it also gets really macro. Like you wasted so much time dating that person. And that is the reason why you don't have time to do these things now. And it does spiral and it all comes back to me being able to trust myself. But I think that self-confidence and self-trust go hand in hand. If you really believe that like you are a person of sound mind who can make good choices, then you should be able to trust that the choices that you're making on your own behalf are good ones. Even if the outcome isn't always good, it doesn't mean you're a bad decision maker just because you make a bad decision once or twice. That means that you are alive and human and operating as a human, right? Again, I would be remiss to not shout out therapy for helping my self-confidence. One, I saw this meme recently. (laughs) There's a a million memes like this that are all like talking about the desire to be your therapist's most funny client. And 
I feel like having a therapist who not only gives me real practical advice and techniques to cope with the things that I'm struggling with, but also who just like affirms that I am like a good person <laughs> has been so transformational for me. I was not always accepting of therapy. If you listened last season to the episode I did with my dad, we talked about it briefly, but the first time I ever had to go to therapy, wouldn't have to, but the first time I was given the opportunity to go to therapy was when I was about five or six years old and my mom and I were in a really bad car accident and I had seen like all these things and I developed this fear. I don't remember. I don't know if I've talked about this online, actually, now that I'm like saying all the parts of the story out loud. I developed this fear because of what I saw like on the site of the car accident of fire alarms, firehouses, smoke detectors. Like if I was in a new place, the first thing I would do is see where all the smoke detectors in the house were. And if I was trying to fall asleep, I would literally stay awake for hours looking at the glow of like the light on the smoke detector. And it would terrify me when we had fire drills at school. And granted, at this point, I'm in kindergarten or first grade. If we had a fire drill, I would like hide under a desk. Like I was terrified of all things fire departments. I think I saw a fireman one time and like had a whole breakdown. And so obviously my mom was like, hmm, this is a little weird. (laughs) Perhaps you should talk to someone. So I started seeing a therapist at, I think, five or six. I didn't go for very long. I remember even that young not being like super into it. I remember going and drawing some pictures of like fire and being like, wow, this lady only wants to talk about this like thing I'm scared of. I don't want to come back here anymore. Fast forward to teenage years. um, There were a couple of times where just because of things that were going on in our family, personally, that my parents set up for my younger sister and I both to go to therapy. We had done family therapy before, but I was just so focused always by that point in my teenage years of, I'm just going to do it. And I had so much tunnel vision. I did not ever give myself space to process anything. And that was my coping mechanism. It's like, if you don't fully process it, you only cry that one time and you just kind of like brush it off and get back to work and focus on doing a million things. I was like, I don't have time to talk about and process my feelings. I have to get into college and like start a life for myself. Are you crazy? So then I was still really resistant. And then I mentioned those like 2013 to 2015 years, right around when I was finishing college was so hard on me. And I was, that was probably when my anxiety was at its worst. And I was like, this doesn't seem sustainable And so that was the first time that I had really on my own as an adult sought out therapy and I hated it because I went into therapy and I was like, these are the things that I'm dealing with that are preventing me from working the way that I want to work. What can you do to fix that in four to six sessions? And she was like, um, no girl. So I went to therapy, I think in like 20... I graduated college in 2015. So 2015 probably is when I finally went. And then I think I went to two sessions and I was like, yeah, no, I'll just figure this out on my own. Spoiler alert. I did not figure it out. I made really, really questionable decisions that probably set me back another couple therapy years. But eventually around the time that I was like 25 or 26, I found the therapist who I see now and it completely changed everything for me. But it took me a long time to get there. 
And it's been really hard to go from never wanting to process anything fully, never really tapping into being vulnerable. And being vulnerable is something that I still struggle with a lot. It's something that I hope as I get older and continue to grow, I get better at not just being vulnerable with other people, but also with myself. Like how many times has someone asked you, how do you feel about this? And you don't have an answer because you still aren't processing. It's it's a journey for sure. But the more that I've worked through things in therapy, been honest with myself, learned how to be honest with other people, learned how to not take everything as personally as I was taking it, everything has gotten better. And it has made me more confident in my ability to trust myself, to do for myself, to be in relationships and friendships that are meaningful and full, to not always be questioning like what's the thing that's wrong with me or what's the thing that I don't know that everyone else knows. That was something I'd always felt since I was like an eight-year-old kid in math class. It felt like everyone knew something that I didn't know and it was so frustrating, but thank God for therapy. One thing that I'm so grateful to have as I exit my 20s head towards the 30s are the friends that I have. I have such an amazing group of friends and I feel really grateful and blessed to be able to say that because I know that that's not the reality for everyone, especially coming off of years of a pandemic where it's so hard to maintain relationships when you can't physically be present with as many people in the ways that we're used to. But my friend group is so sustaining. It's cool to be at the age where you can look back at some of your friendships and say that you've been friends with people for decades. Like my best friend and I met in middle school when I was, oh my gosh, like 10. So we've been friends for almost 20 years. That is, it's mind blowing. I still don't feel like I should be old enough to say I've been friends with someone for almost 20 years, but that's neither here nor there. But I love the fact that I've had a relationship that means so much to me for so long. I'm really enjoying seeing the way that So many of my most important relationships are changing and evolving. I think one of the best things about having the same core group of friends over some years is getting to watch them grow and then watch your relationship and friendship grow as a result. I mean, I think about people who I met in college who I could not imagine not having met them, not having them be a part of my story, not having the chance to be a part of their stories. You all know I'm obsessed with my goddaughter. And it's crazy to think that there was a point in time where I did not know her parents. And now I could not imagine doing life without those people. Like they are my family, my found and chosen family. And romantically, relationships, the ghetto, dating, not having fun. We'll talk about that in a different episode. But my friendships are so solid that even though I may not have the specific type of partnership that I wish I had at this point in my life, I'm really grateful that I get to do life with those people and they have truly held me down. Literally, I had way too much fun on my birthday. So my best friend quite literally held me down (laughs) and I'm grateful for it. (laughs) A lot of the traits and common reflections in the comments of that Instagram post too were about people feeling like they really came into themselves more and trusted themselves and found their voice. And all those things, I think, directly relate to becoming a better friend. I hope as this next year goes on and as more of my friends continue to enter or not enter, we're all firmly in our 20s, but exit our 20s and enter our 30s, that we just get to keep evolving together. And I have always been the kind of person 
if my friends are listening, they will laugh. I've always been like a small circle kind of person. I don't need 800 close friends. Like it's just, it's one, not feasible. I'm not remembering that many birthdays, but also I just, I'm an introvert. It would be very overwhelming to have like a core group of 30 friends. But I'm at a point now where I'm more open to redefining different friendships in my life and realizing that not everyone who you're friendly with has to be your best friend, but that doesn't mean you have to be closed off to ever being friends with anyone ever again. And just rethinking even what it would look like to be open to more new friends, more new experiences. Obviously, I have this amazing community with all of you, and I'm so grateful for it. I have so many good conversations with you all in my DMs, or sometimes you'll send me really thoughtful emails or things and articles that you've read that made you think of things that I said that we get to chat about. And I love doing that. I love having conversations with people who I may not have had the chance to talk to otherwise. And I do want more of that. I think I need more of that, especially as I get older. I'm realizing that there's just so much wisdom in learning about other people and listening to other people. So I don't know if all of this made sense. I don't know if I went anywhere with this episode, but overall, these are my closing thoughts. One, it is still really important to me to make myself and the people around me who love me proud. And I hope that in this next year, for this last year of my 20s, this last lap, I hope I remember that there are multiple paths to your purpose. Because I really do believe that. I think that this last year has shown me that just because you pivot doesn't mean that you're off track. It just means you rerouted. You're still on the same journey, no matter how you get there. It doesn't matter what milestones you even hit along the way. You're on your way to where you're supposed to be. And then the last thing, and I'm going to end on this, and hopefully that means I'm ending on a high. One comment that stuck out to me was someone mentioning that they spent all of 29 waiting for 30 you know, the 30s are definitely like framed as a promised land, especially I feel like for women where it's like, okay, you do all this stuff in your 20s and you make mistakes and you're irresponsible when you figure it all out. And then 30 is just bliss. But I don't want to spend this entire year waiting for next year. I want to be as present as possible in 29 as I can. I don't want to look back a year from now and not remember anything that happened in this year. It's why I'm so big on journaling and documenting everything. I don't like there to be gaps in my memory and about how I got to where I got to. I think that that just for me is just not productive. So I hope that this year is me just being fully present, fully myself, trying new things, even if I'm not going to be good at them, embracing the messiness of life and making space for more good things. Obviously, I would be remiss if I did not leave you all with some book recommendations. And of course, I have you covered. There have been so many books that have meant a lot to me, fiction, nonfiction, that when I think about who I am and how I think and even how I read now have meant so much. So here are a couple books that if you haven't read them, you should definitely put them on your TBR. The first book that I have to shout out is one that I mention all of the time, and that is The Mothers by Britt Bennett. If you followed me for any length of time, you know that Britt Bennett is like the author of my life. I am obsessed with Britt Bennett, but The Mothers was one of the first books that I read that really pulled me back into reading. I think I read it for the first time in 2017 or 2016. So that is coming off of that dark period of 2013 to 15 when I was finally doing therapy the right way and not in my made up way. 
And I had found this book because I had just started this new thing called Book of the Month. And I read this book by Britt Bennett and it completely just like drew me in and it made me feel things that helped me process things. So a lot of my attachment to the book is sentimental, but it's still a great book and I cannot recommend it enough. The second book I need to recommend is Dating You, Hating You by Christina Lauren. Again, I had just gotten back into reading and I was really trying to find my way around all these genres and I discovered romance and I was like, am I going to really like reading romance? And I read Dating You, Hating You probably three times within two months. It is one of my favorite enemies to lovers books. It's so good. It just, it just is so good. It always delivers and I just can't get enough of it. Oh, that's such a good book. I want to reread that book now. In my nonfiction category, Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes was one of my favorite nonfiction books ever. She talks about a year where she just said yes to everything, opportunities, jobs. And I mean, what on Netflix is not a Shondaland production at this point? Obviously, it worked out really well for her. I thought it was a really practical book. There's a lot you can apply to your life, even if you're not a multi-billion dollar production expert and creative, but it was, it was really good. And I love the reflections that she has in the book about balancing being an ambitious woman with also wanting to have a family and not being attached to the way that that looks either. Having that ideal for yourself, whether it means you are partnered or not partnered or Building a different kind of family, I thought that that was really important for women to get to see, and I'm grateful for her reflections on that because it's been helpful to me. Books that got me through the pandemic, if you were following me in 2020, then you know that I read around, I think, April or May, so like two months into the pandemic in 2020, The Ark of Scythe Trilogy by Neil Shusterman, and those books literally almost destroyed my life. The last book in that series, I think, is almost 700 pages, and I read it in 24 hours. That's all you need to know. Just get the series. I could probably list about 30 more books that I want you all to read, but I will just link my Goodreads in the show notes. You can see the books that I've read. If you look on my blog, buyamreburns.com, there are a bunch of reading wrap-ups and book reviews. You can go on my YouTube channel. I'm always vlogging what I'm reading too. Thank God for the books. The books and therapy, honestly, are the things that have truly gotten me through. If you have made it to this point in the episode, I appreciate you so much for listening. That's all I have for you. As always, you can let me know your thoughts on the episode. If you are 29, if you are turning 29, if you are 59, I would love more of your advice and words of wisdom. So feel free to write us at the show. And you can do that by emailing tyfapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod at tyfapodcast on Instagram and visit us online anytime at tyfapodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share Thank You For Asking with a friend or 10 friends. Thank You For Asking is a production of Read More Media. Our production assistant is Kingston Celine. I am your host, Amber Burns, and you can find me online at by Amber Burns. Have an amazing rest of your week and I will talk to you all next Thursday.